Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I'm on the phone with Brian, and on today's episode we're going to be talking about The Autopsy of Jane Doe from 2016, directed by Andre Overdahl and starring Emile Hirsch, Brian Cox, and Olwen Kelly. Uh, this is a story of uh, a body that is uncovered at a crime scene that uh, a pair of coroners have to review to try to figure out what happened. Um, Brian and I were lucky enough to watch this uh, through a watch party where we had some of our listeners join us, including Jason, Amy, and Catherine. Brian, that was like the second watch for us, right? Yeah. Yeah. We've seen this movie twice. Yeah. Yeah. It was quite, cool. it must've been like three or four years ago, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. I think we watched it in 2017. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It definitely felt like uh, I, was, I was kind of watching it for the first time, but it felt pretty familiar to you. Yeah, yeah, it did feel familiar to me, and I think it was first watch for um, uh, Jason and Catherine, and I think Amy had seen it before. Cool, yeah, it's always fun to see it through uh, someone's eyes for the first time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but uh, and then quickly before we dive into that one, uh, I wanted to quickly plug our Patreon page and thank all of our Patreon supporters that have uh, contributed and uh, helped support the show financially. Um, Brian and I are going to be talking about Hunter Hunter, which uh, is a 2020 release. Is that right? Yeah, it was on a few top ten lists. Right, so we're, we're going to talk about that, have a casual conversation about that, and put that on there. And uh, there's a bunch of other really cool stuff on there. My favorite being Brian's uh, review of all of the movies in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Um, <laughs> yep. That's that's great. Uh, but it's an easy way to support us. The, the link is on our page. Uh, we're going to be posting a new episode there on Hunter Hunter. Um, so check that out. Brian, anything else you want to plug on that one? I uh, just want to clarify that it's going to be a spoiler-free one, so... Uh, the point will kind of be to let you know whether you should uh, spend some money to rent it. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, we won't uh, spoil anything on that one. Just kind of a mini-sode. Right, right. Yeah, and it, it, I think we've done one other one as well like that. Uh, yeah, we was, did Underwater, a little mini-sode on Underwater on Patreon. Yeah, I, I like that format. It's fun. Yeah, it's kind of fun. 15, 20 minutes or something. Right, right. Yeah, so uh, if, if, if you want to figure out, uh, if you want to give it a listen, uh, feel free to find our Patreon page. Uh, an easy way to support us. You don't have to uh, make any big commitment or anything. I think you can go in as low as, like, what, 50 cents a month or something? I think $1 might be the minimum. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah, cool. and the link is right there on horrormovieclub.com, or you can go directly to patreon.com slash horrormovieclub. Excellent. Cool. Well, yeah, getting back to uh, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Uh, so we picked this one because it was coming off of Netflix uh, at the end of last year, which is unfortunate. Have you, uh, do you, are, are you one of those people that like monthly watch what's coming on and off of Netflix? I don't. Do you? Do you keep your eye on that? Because you knew that it was, you were the one who like sounded the alarm on this dropping off. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I do. Uh, there's like an article that comes out like every month, uh, saying like what to look out for, what's coming off, and I, I think this this one was like a huge one because The Office came off of Netflix. Did, oh, did you hear right. about that? I did see that. Yeah, man, that was that was like my go-to uh, background Netflix watching. Is that going to go on to Peacock now? It is. Yeah, I think they've yeah. taken NBC's taken a lot of their shows onto that. Sure. Um, you weren't a big Office fan. Oh, I like it. I don't like it as much as most of the world does. Man, yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's funny. I was, I was down on it, and then my wife rewatched the whole thing recently, and I sat in on a good chunk of it, and it has some some great moments for sure. But uh, I think all around, it's not as good of a show as plenty of other sitcoms. 
Yeah, I know. I know. It's got like a, a cult following, and I feel like most people like can like quote every every line from it. But then right. yeah, there are people like you, I guess, in, in a bigger group <laughs> that also that doesn't uh, appreciate it. Which I, I can totally understand that. Well, so Autopsy of Jane Doe, directed by a Norwegian director, Andre Overdahl. Have you seen any of his other films? Yeah, I've seen Troll Hunter. Ah, I've never seen that. Is it, is it good? It's good from what I remember. Yeah, it's like a found footage thing, but I think it's a little cheeky too. Um, I can't remember that well. And then have you seen his other one, uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, right? Yeah, I saw that one. Uh, nice. which I still need to see that. Yeah, that was maybe, maybe like uh, two or three years ago, I think, right? Last year, 2019. <laughs> oh, wow. Damn. That's how it feels, though. Yeah, yeah, it feels like forever ago. Uh, yeah, which I, oh, I wait, thought that we're was... we're in 2021 now, so you're right, two years ago. Two years ago, <laughs> just <Boy>. barely. <laughs> Uh, which I, you know, I, I, I remember there was like a huge buzz around scary stories to tell in the dark and then it came out and I feel like it kind of, uh, went flat, but troll hunters got like a huge cult following, doesn't it? I think so. Yeah. And, it, and it's kind of like a found footage mockumentary style. Yep. From what I remember. Cool. Cool. I have to check that out. That, that one sounds pretty appealing. This was his second film, I think. And it was inspired by him watching like the conjuring and wanting to break out of, um, the found footage film genre. So that's that kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. And did you see he's got one? Well, he has two in pre-production, maybe even three, but one of them is Scary Stories Part 2. Oh. And the other one is The Last Voyage of Demeter, which is about the crew of the ship that brought Dracula's coffin from Transylvania to England. Oh, cool. Wow. That sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. So the whole thing like takes place on a boat? I assume so, yeah. That's pretty but cool. But we'll have to see. Yeah, some nautical horror. Yeah. Are you are you going to watch uh, Scary Stories Tell in the Dark? Yeah, eventually I'll get around to it, for sure. Because you grew up with that book, right? That book was on my shelf, but I, like, never read it. I just would, like, look at the pictures sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. I think I read one of the stories and wasn't into it, and then was just, like, I have so many goosebumps to read. I'll just do that instead. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the uh, goosebumps, obviously, way more uh, fun, I guess. Um, but, but, yeah, this one, I remember the cover was, like, pretty disturbing, I think. Yeah, all the pictures were really freaky. Oh, yeah, the drawings, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exciting that, that they made that into a movie. Obviously, like, we have some big names like Emilia Hirsch and Brian Cox. Actually, Emilia Hirsch, I don't think I recognize him from anything. Do, do you know that guy? Yeah, um, The Girl Next Door, Into the Wild. Oh, okay. He was in Once yeah. Upon a Time in Hollywood as well. Oh, right, right, yeah. There's so many dudes in that one, man. I get them all mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> Like, if it's not, like, Leo or uh, Brad Pitt, like, uh, it's one of the other ones. Yeah. There were a lot of recognizable faces in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think the breakout performance here is Owen Kelly, who is, uh, I think she's an Irish actress model. Um, she plays the body of Jane Doe. And, uh, yeah, I think this was her first film. She's gone on to do, like, two or three other ones, I think. Yeah, and, I mean, what a performance. And uh, I don't even want to spoil, like... We will spoil things, folks. We typically try not to spoil anything until the uh, second half of the podcast after our little interlude plays, but I don't even want to spoil what subgenre this ends up being in. Yeah, I know. I was wondering about that. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's nice to just not for people to not know what they're walking into. And if you're one of the people that listens and then watches, I really feel like you should go watch this movie first. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, um, this movie's got a lot of twists for sure. It does. But yeah, she did a great, I mean, this had to be such a hard role. Like she's just lying there, but <laughs> it couldn't have been yeah. easy. I know. I know. And, uh, I think they, it sounded like they thought about using just like a, a dummy or something, 
but that would have been more difficult, I guess, to get to to make up the way that they needed it or something. Maybe, and I think he wanted it to look, you know, I think he wanted it both for the characters and the look to be a real person. Like he, yeah. he thought the performances would be different if they were uh, acting in front of a real person lying on the table. Yeah, I I, I believe it. I, I think having her as a real person that whole time that just makes it like so much more freakier. I wonder if they had anything between her and that metal. Um, it would have been so cold. Oh. <laughs> her like naked body against that metal. Yeah, yeah, I know. Hopefully they had a mat or something. Yeah. Well, so I, I guess one of the reasons she was chosen was because she's like a pro at yoga. So I wonder if there was like a yoga mat uh, under her the whole time. Maybe. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. But being able to control your breathing and have really good consciousness of your body and how it was positioned and whether or not it was moving would be important for this role. I know. That's like the one thing you got to do. I, I, I don't think I could do that for, for that long. That, that's crazy. Yeah, I could not. Yeah, it sounds easy. It's like, yeah, you just got to lay there dead the whole movie. But um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot more work than that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't look up what it has in Rotten Tomatoes. It's pretty favorable, though, right? Yeah, it's an 87% critics. And yeah, okay. Rotten Tomatoes wasn't loading this tonight for me. So oh, yeah, yeah, all I found was that on Wikipedia, 87% for Rotten Tomatoes, 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, and 3.2 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Okay. Okay. So uh, yeah, kind of like uh, you think like the audience is more in the middle or... Yeah, yeah, maybe audience is a little bit. I would guess that audience review is slightly lower, but I'm not totally sure. Yeah, right, right. That makes sense. Um, and then uh, box office numbers. I think it's only made like six million, but I can't imagine it had like a long theatrical run. So maybe it's making more on the back end now. Yeah, and I don't even know what the. I don't think it had much of anything here in the states. The great bulk of that six million was internationally. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, the states, the domestic was like ten grand, so it probably just had a. Yeah, I don't know if they count festivals in that or not, but it yeah. certainly didn't have a wide release here. Sure, wow, ten grand—that's crazy. Um, but yeah, so, something of like a cult following. I think you know when we mentioned this, uh, I feel like a lot of people feel pretty positive about this film. Yeah, and anybody on Twitter who ever posts, "Tell me a horror movie I should watch that I haven't heard of." everyone at least at least one person's gonna type the autopsy of jane doe so it's just oh, been sure. growing in popularity and i think more and more people have heard of it in these past yeah. few years and i think your friend uh, stephen king's a big fan of it as well i think i think i saw some praise from him yep he tweeted the autopsy of jane doe visceral horrid arrival alien and early cronenberg watch it but not alone I, yeah that, that comment about alien kind of blew me away but um yeah I, I, interesting so i guess we'll talk about that yeah, yeah, we can talk more about that in the review. Yeah. Uh, have we, we've mentioned on the podcast before that Stephen King also tweeted about our friend Stephen Markley's book, right? Did we say that yet on the podcast? I'm sure I we have so. at some point. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we, uh, a few episodes back, uh, I forget mm. which one it was. Well, we'll but. say it again. Go read him by Ohio by Stephen Markley, a novel by Stephen Markley. Uh, Stephen King compared it to The Grapes of Wrath. So go check it out. It's wonderful. And Steve guested on our Misery episode. So yeah. Check that out That's, too. Yeah, yeah. Check those out and, and read that book for sure. Um, any other background on this one? Uh, not really. Released by IFC Midnight, which we've seen a lot lately. A lot oh, of releases yeah. from them. Um, yeah, I don't have too much else to talk about on this one other than the Ohio Connection from Alex, if you're cool with me jumping to that. Yeah, let's hear it. 
All right. Well, our friend Alex connects every movie we watch to our home state of Ohio for us. Alex owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant where you can pick up food safely from your car, food, wine, or beer, or get it from Uber Eats or Grubhub. Um, And Alex says, Happy New Year, Horror Movie Club. It has been a joy to bring these Ohio connections to your millions of listeners. (laughs) (laughs) This week, we dissect the autopsy of Jane Doe. Oh, I see what he did there. The origins of using John or Jane Doe dates back to 1800s England. Originally, John Doe was a sham name used to indicate any plaintiff in an action over regained property in civil court. Richard Rowe was the counterpart to indicate the defendant. These fake names were used in delicate legal matters, a practice that was abolished in English law in 1852. Since then, John Doe has been used to indicate any man of unknown name with Jane Doe used for females. In the late 1930s, there was a serial killer known as the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run who has been tied to 12 known murders. Of the 12 victims, only two have since been identified, leaving six John Does and four Jane Does unidentified to this day. Each victim was decapitated and many were found dismembered, leaving only a torso behind. All bodies were ditched in the area known as Kingsbury Run, an impoverished and seedy area on the east side of Cleveland, Ohio. Whoa. The case was represented by then-Cleveland safety director Elliot Ness, but to this day, the killer's identity remains unknown. Wait, that guy's name was Elliot Ness? Uh, the safety director of Cleveland. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's crazy. I've never heard of that part of Cleveland's case. Yeah, I had never heard that either. 1930s. Yeah, yeah, wow. And, and I, yeah, I didn't know we had a serial killer uh, in, in the Cleveland area back then. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And good to know the true origin of John Doe and Jane Doe, too. I didn't ever really know that. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I've, I've heard the Roe uh, alternative, but I, I don't think that's like used anymore in popular fiction. Or like, yeah, just in, in legal diction, is it? Okay, interesting. No, I don't, I don't, I've never heard that, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have you heard of the whole Alan Smithy thing? I feel like we've probably talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, it doesn't sound familiar. What, what is that? If a director wants to disown a movie that he directed and feels oh, yeah. that the studio interfered to the point that he was no longer in control, he can get the credit <laughs> to say directed by Alan Smithy. Not right. anymore. I think they did away with that. But And did we ever see a movie where they did that? No, we've never watched one. I don't think at least. Oh, shit. Maybe we have. Oh, yeah, boy. yeah. Because now that you described it, it sounds familiar. And I feel like we've come across a few directors who've like walked away from the project at the end or when yeah. they're being released. Yeah, maybe we have. Gosh, at this point, coming up to 140 movies or something, I can't keep track. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. That's, that's, that's a lot. But it's, yeah, super interesting. Thanks. Uh, great, great connection. And I, I got to look into those uh, serial murders out there. Yeah. Thanks, creepy. Alex. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, anything else before we jump into the review and, and uh, our, the plot spoilers? Nope. Yeah, let's start to spoil some stuff. Okay, cool. Um, before we do that, though, do you mind if we take a quick break? Uh, I'm playing this game with my wife, and it's it's my turn, so I just got to make a move really quick. <laughs> All right, go for it. All right, cool. I'll be right back. Cool. Hey Brian, sorry about that. How did everything go? 
Uh, it's good. You know, we've been playing this game, uh, Operation. You, you ever play that one with the body? On the, <laughs> yeah. And it, it was my turn, and it was, it was the part where you pull out a note from the, the stomach of the patients without fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Ooh, they uh, should definitely make an autopsy of Jane Doe version <laughs> they of should, Operation. Right? <laughs> That'd be so cool. <laughs> you just you just find, like, all this crazy stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> this organs are missing, lungs are all blackened. <laughs> Uh, did you you ever play that game Operation? Yeah, for sure. How how do you win? You just uh, you never get, like hit the buzzer or something? I think yeah, you get everything out without touching the buzzer. Yeah, that but seems I don't remember pretty... there like we never if there were any rules or structure to it, we would never play that way. We would just put everything in there and try to grab it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure like there was like a a more formal way, but yeah, with, with those kind of kid kid games, like no one's ever really reading up on that, right? I think mouse trap was the same way. You just set up the trap and let it go. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, who needs what was the dice for anyway? <laughs> like a board. All right. Well, cool. Let's let's talk about the plot then, and uh, we'll spoil the film as as we review it here. But uh, this movie kicks off, and in a way, I thought it was really interesting. They start with a murder scene that the police have come to investigate, and there are all these dead bodies in a house. The police can't figure out how these people died. There's no sign of forced entry. And if anything, it looks like people were trying to break out of the house. They also in the basement find a body that's buried that uh, that we're going to call Jane Doe for the rest of the movie because they can't identify it. And it's in pretty good shape. But um, I think she was buried right under the basement. Yes, correct. Yeah. So kind of a cool, like mysterious opening of of a crime scene, like the after math of it. Uh, What what, did you think of this? Yeah, I thought this was a pretty chilling opening that I had completely forgotten about, actually. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's it's very kind of like understated and uh, like even just some of those quotes that like the people are trying to break out of here just kind of sets the stage of like something really messed up going on. Yeah. It's cool. So then uh, this body gets taken to the town corner and this is a father and son shop. So we're introduced to Tommy and his son Austin, played by Brian Cox and Emil Hirsch. Um, they are these corners and the sheriff tells them that they need to figure out who this Jane Doe is because... Uh, the sheriff can't explain any of the murders and can't find any identity on this woman and he needs an answer kind of like right away. So there's a sense of urgency that they, they need to get to the bottom of this. So these guys start to cut into the body and it's almost kind of like a puzzle where each time you know they dive into the, the chest or like into a different part of the body or open the mouth, they're finding things that are really strange. It's like the outside of the body looks pretty clean. But the inside, they find like the wrists and the ankles have been shattered. Uh, the tongue is missing. Uh, lungs have like these burns on them. Um, there's some internal organs that are cut up and scarred. So it's kind of fun watching them pick through and like try to putting try to put all or like make sense of like everything they're seeing in there. Uh, what, what did you think of this whole sequence? Yeah, it unfolds like a mystery. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. And then the autopsy itself, it's pretty brutal. Oh God, yeah. Uh, like the, like the visuals and like the sounds. Yeah. And then they periodically cut up to the woman's face and her eyes are like this icy blue and it just builds a lot of suspense here. You know, this is a horror movie and something mysterious is afoot and you're waiting for her to move or do something. And it really just, there's a nice tone here in the, uh, from the get go of this autopsy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like her eyes are open the whole time. Uh, I think like her nose starts bleeding at some points. Yep. And yeah, she's just like, you're just waiting for like something to explode here. Yeah. 
Um, and, and I think you're also kind of getting a sense of the relationship between the son and the, the father, you know, like that the son wants to leave uh, the, the business, but he hasn't like opened up to his father yet. And we're also getting like some backstory that uh, there was a mother in the picture, but she died from, I think, mental health issues, right? Uh, I think she killed herself. I don't think we find that out now, but later they get to it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But like, do, do, did you feel like this was like a believable relationship? Yeah, I think all the actors had good chemistry. How about you? Yeah, yeah. It, feels, it felt like really relatable. Like this is how like a son and father would talk to each other in, in a business sense. Right. Uh, Agreed. Kind of, kind of formal. Yeah. Um, so uh, some spooky things start happening around the morgue. There's this radio that keeps turning on and playing this old 50s song. Did, did you look up what song this was? Oh, I did. I can't remember now. Let the sun shine in or something. I should have written it down. Oh, it's it's called "Open Up Your Hearts and Let the Sun Shine In." Oh, okay. Which, which is so nice. funny because like there's this autopsy going on. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting song choice. Um, but yeah, this radio is turning on. Um, I think Emil or Austin keeps uh, seeing sh- shadowy figures in the hallways, and then he also finds their cat injured, and they end up having to kill it. Um, and and I think that's kind of where we learn that that was uh, his mother's cat. And that there's like kind of this baggage him and his dad are carrying about uh, the loss of their mother or his right. mother. Yeah. Right. Um, and w- would you like, do you feel like it's pretty gory at this point? Yeah. I mean, the autopsy itself is really gory. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Though I, I feel like it's not like as gross as like other films have gone. Like, I don't, I don't, I can't tell if they're trying to gross you out or they're just being very like scientifically accurate. Yeah, I mean, it's not excessive. It, it's it's an autopsy. It's just what would happen. But I think the sound design it really helps to make it yeah. gross, like the crushing and grinding and splatting. and Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that stuff sticks with you. It's rough. And you can just, like, see her. They'll sometimes cut to her face, too, during some of it. And, you know, <laughs> she might yeah. jerk or move a certain way if they're applying force to her body. And it's just... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's directed well, I think. It is, yeah. You just like hear these really gross things happening off of camera. Yeah, directed and edited well. Yeah, right. Yeah, great sound design. Um, so things go really bad when they find a piece of cloth in her stomach that's got some Roman writing on it. Uh, when when they find this, the lights cut out, and when they come back on, all the other bodies in the coroner's office that were in these freezers uh, have suddenly gone missing. Like they the the drawers have opened up and the bodies are gone. So uh, the father and son uh, escape the room and go into like the side office and they're talking to each other. And then they start to hear like footsteps outside. And one thing they mentioned earlier is they had these bells around the feet of the corpses and uh, they hear like the bell in the hallway and they look under the door and they see these the feet walking by. So I, what'd you think of that like trick of, or like that uh, device of, of the bell tied to I the dead the bodies? I thought the bell was, I mean, it's a bit like... Tempted to call it hokey, but it worked. I thought it was a nice setup and payoff there. How about you? Yeah, I, I think so too. Because like they, they they talk about it casually in the beginning, like why they tie it on, and you kind of know it's going to come back. You later know it's going to come back, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, it works. but yeah, I, I thought it was effective though. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So they. Uh, oh, and and then while they're in this office, uh, I think they see like a shadowy figure in in the bathroom and. Uh, Tommy gets attacked by this kind of unseen force um, that uh, just kind of injures him pretty badly. They go back to the autopsy room and they realize that things are getting pretty weird around here. 
So they try to burn her body, but that doesn't end up working. Uh, at one point, they try to escape in the elevator, but the doors won't shut and they're stuck in this basement. Um, they're, again, they're seeing these figures coming at them in the hallway. And at one point, Tommy swings this axe at one of the figures. But it turns out to be Austin's girlfriend who we met earlier, who had uh, come back looking for Austin. So uh, she got killed, which I, I, that was tough, man. What, what did you make of that? Yeah, I think the acting here from Brian Cox and Emile Hirsch really sold this, too. Yeah. Um, we had seen her for a little while in the beginning, and her and Emile Hirsch had good chemistry, too. So this was a moment that it, it was it was there mostly for a scare, but they uh, their reactions to it made it feel real and painful enough as well. Yeah, I think that's what did it. Because she was only on screen maybe for like five or six minutes earlier on, I think. Right. Um, and just like for, for context setting that like, you know, Emil was trying to get out of there. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think it was their, their reaction to her death. Like the dad was just like mortified or like, you know, full of grief for what he had done. And yeah, Austin is just like on the floor crying about it. So it's, yeah. it's pretty hard. Yeah. A moment done well. Yeah. Yeah. Really well done. Uh, so... They realize they're trapped, and the only way to get out, maybe, is to go back, keep doing the autopsy, and try to see if they can find some additional clues, I think. Um, so they f- they uh, go back, and they're you know pulling some stuff out of her brain, and they discover that her brain tissue is still alive, and they realize that the writing in the clot that they found in her stomach is a biblical reference that um, condemns witches. It's it's like a paragraph in one of the, the Bibles, I think. Is that right? I think so, yeah. Some, in the some Old Testament, maybe? Something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they figure out, and they do like a lot of mental math here, but they figure out that this woman was convicted of being a witch back in the 1600s, and she was tortured, which by torturing her actually made her into a witch, and now she is uh, able to torture everyone around her body while she's still alive. Was that your take? <laughs> yeah, kind of. That seems to be about where they got to. Yeah, pretty solid uh, detective work there. <laughs> yeah. It's impressive. And I think part of the... Re- there were a few other things they pieced together, too. Like, she had peat under her fingernails, which couldn't be found except for up north. We don't know where this takes place, but they said up north, so they kind of thought maybe New England. Right, yeah. And they, I think they found, like, some kind of weed in her stomach or some plants, too, that uh, dated back to, like, what, what they would use back in the day or something. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, they 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 think they've cracked the puzzle here. Uh, she's she's this one from sixteen hundreds, etc. So at this point, Tommy the dad tries to convince uh, this dead body, which we know now isn't quite dead, uh, to take him as a sacrifice and to spare his son. Uh, his bones start to break in his uh, ankles and in his wrists, and while that's happening, the woman's body starts to kind of heal on the outside. Uh, Tommy, being in so much pain, begs Austin to kill him. Uh, and Austin does so, and uh, that seems to end all like the the trauma that was happening, and there's like this moment of relief. Which did you feel like the scene of him killing his dad was like as heavy as the scene where the dad kills the girlfriend by accident? No, I don't think so. And this was just on the heels of them deducing that she became a witch because she was tortured, and that um, I don't know, she was somehow like putting him through everything that she had been through. And I think some of that exposition fell flat on, I think most of us in the watch party. And so it took the wind out of the sails of the climax a little bit. 
Yeah, same. Cause I feel like at this point I was like too caught up and still trying to like put together like it, all, all the clues they had found and like what it meant. So I, I feel like the the death scene where he kills his dad uh, didn't really stick out to me because yeah, you're right. You're just like so overwhelmed like trying to figure out the uh, the sense uh, that that they just tried to pass on us or the, or the explanation. Right. Now that the father's dead, Austin thinks it's over. He hears uh, the banging on the door outside that, that, that from the police, and he thinks uh, they're there to save him. But when he goes to open it, he realizes that it's a voice that's just taunting him, and that it's kind of uh, the witch that's still um, you know playing tricks on him. And then he sees a vision of his dad's dead corpse, and he ends up falling to his death. So now they both are dead, and the movie ends, I think probably the next morning, the police come in, they find the body, and everyone else is dead, and they decide to take the dead body of Jane Doe, put her in a van, and take her to a, a town next door. And while she's in the van, we hear the radio start to play that old song again, and I think, according to Wikipedia, her toe moves again. Did, did you catch that? I can't remember if her foot moved or if we heard a bell after the screen goes black. I can't remember quite oh. what happened there. Oh, yeah, yeah. It might have been the bell. That sounds more familiar. That would that would be uh, that would be kind of cool, I guess, to bring that back. Yeah, but it's the, clear that she's she's playing her jam in the car and and she's back in business. Yeah, yeah, off to another town to, to yep. mess it up. Uh, though you know it's kind of weird because the whole movie she never moves, and to suddenly be able to move in that last scene as she's being taken away uh, is kind of weird, right? I think it's that she restored herself. This wasn't super obvious, I don't think, but my thought or. The way I interpreted that last scene was that she was restoring herself by forcing Brian Cox to endure the pain that she went through when she was being tortured. Sure. And that, like, gave her some of her mobility back? That Yeah, like, essentially brought her back to life. Oh, okay, okay. Because you see her so, broken bones, like, reattaching, as, or, like, rebuilding themselves as oh, she breaks yeah, yeah. his bones. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. So you think, like, her, her five-year plan is just to get more people to, like, uh, like yeah, sacrifice themselves to her? So that she can kind of become a human again or start walking again? Yeah, I mean, maybe she's got career goals. Maybe she just wants to be a normal person in the world. <laughs> she just needed to torture somebody yeah. to get to that point. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I don't know if every torture brings her back or if it's... Yeah, I guess I guess it does maybe. Um, like, do you get the sense... Because, you know, when the movie starts out, she's coming from a house where all these people kill themselves. So do you feel like at that point she'd already kind of like come a, a step up from where she was before those deaths? Hmm, maybe. Like she had grown in strength. Yeah, right. Like before yeah, she quite got possibly. there. Yeah, interesting. So she's just like slowly healing through the uh, sacrifices or the, the killing of other people. Maybe, yeah. Maybe she'll be a super witch in five years. That's her five nice. year plan. Good good five year plan. I, I like I like that. It's an upward trajectory for her. Yeah. That's good. Uh yeah, so so what did you think? What did you like? What didn't you like about this film? I really liked the uh <laughs> portfolio of scares if you will like yeah you've got this autopsy which is brutal and creepy and then the cutting to her which builds a lot of suspense and is kind of chilling but then you also get and like the whole time you're waiting for her to move and she never does like you get that little thing at the end but you kind of feel like she's going to be up and walking around by the end of this movie and i think it was a smart decision that she didn't but you still get some of that stuff because you've got these other bodies that are moving around and the music that's playing by itself and lights that are coming on and breaking and um, yeah. all these supernatural elements that like are a haunted house type story, like the elements of a haunted house story. But then you've got this autopsy at the center of it to ground it and give it this whole other kind of 
eeriness. Yeah. Uh, and I think that just really makes for a well-rounded horror movie. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think the setting and stuff uh, really lends itself well because most of what she's doing is kind of like a psychological haunting of making them see things. Like the, the corpses, they weren't actually walking around, were they? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Maybe and maybe not at the same time because they definitely try to kill one and it turns out to be his girlfriend. Yeah, right, right. And a lot of times like they, they look like shadows or they're seeing a shadow under the door or like seeing a shape somewhere. Right. But... Uh, you're, you're, you're right, because you, you do have that sense of, like, there's uh, figures lurking around, but um, I think a lot of that might be in their head, or if not, like, it's, it's just, uh, it's cool that they were able to pack that in, given, like, the main characters, like, lying dead the whole time. Yeah, and Brian Cox did have real uh, injuries sustained as well, so. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He did. But I don't know um, if that was from something up and walking around, or if the witch did that telekinetically somehow, or what? Yeah, yeah, the, it, was, it was hard to kind of uh, piece together, like, how she was doing all this. Yeah. Um, and like what was real, what wasn't. A lot of it did feel psychological to me, like towards the second or third half. Um, but then I guess like you had the whole fire that they lit. and like, Right. The, the lights really did break. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, did you like, uh, I feel like there were a few pop out scares. Like, you know, if we're talking about this portfolio of scares, there's like a scene like where she, they look through like a crack in the door and like a corpse puts its head up to it or its eyes up to it or something. Yeah, I was I was on board for the jump scares. I'm not against them I th- if they're used well, and I thought they were used well. How about you? Yeah, I, I thought they were tasteful, and like not overdone, but also uh, like this. This felt like a movie of maybe like understated horrors for the most part, like just like this creepy feeling that's going on inside, and then to have like those kind of moments, like it were great. Like they 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 jumped out to you, and and they kind of broke the ice a bit. But um, I wonder if it also kind of cheapened it up a little bit. But you feel like it was balanced. I think it was balanced, and I will go back to Stephen King comparing this to Alien. You know, Alien had, it, I think, maybe even a couple of jump scares where it was just the cat. Oh God, yeah, right. So I mean, they did this. They did have a cat jump scare in this as well. So I think yeah. it's totally fine to pep up a horror movie that has a deeper horror at its core with jump scares. I think what's worse is when there's really not much there aside from jump scares. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. If that's all you're running on. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, what did you think of like all the explanations though? Like, and, and like the twists and, um, how they tried to like explain who she was and what she was doing. I think that was the movie's biggest weakness. I was on board with all of it in the unfolding mystery and the discovery that she was a witch. But at the point when they said she probably wasn't a witch and then the torture and ritual that they did to her turned her into a witch was just such a jump in logic and made no sense and is not something I've really ever heard of before. Um (laughs) It just, it was just a big why in my mind. It really, um, yeah. we didn't need all that explanation. I think if they would have just cut out that entire, they just could have just basically removed that line of dialogue and the movie mm-hmm. would have been better. I agree. I agree. I think it was like an over explanation that like we didn't really need. And even having like the, the mystery behind it was like more fun than like getting it like kind of hammered over your head with like something that didn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think as soon as they found out she was a witch, all the events could have just unfolded without much more explanation after that. You know, she's yeah. doing what she will. Who cares why? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leave I've never it seen up it. to us to figure out what her five-year plan is. 
exactly yeah <laughs> we'll take care of that uh yeah I, i've never seen a movie try to like explain a witch in like so much detail uh and yeah the idea that you could make a witch by torturing someone uh and like yeah you know convincing her that she's a witch that that, that would work that's that's new to me yeah weird a little strange so that was the worst part of it um the acting yeah. was really great too uh the story as a whole was great i, th- I thought it was mm-hmm. a really efficient horror vehicle yeah, yeah, I agree. Kind of a claustrophobic, uh, this, cold, scientific medical setting too. That doesn't hurt. I love that setting, man. It was almost like like they were like in this, the basement, like of an old house or something. It was, it was so perfect. Yeah, yeah, and like the operation room specifically. That's where some of the alien uh, stuff comes into play for me. Just like the cold, metallic sheen and like barrenness of the setting. Oh yeah, sure, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, I I can see that. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and yeah, good good connection on that cat too. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> and I think I guess I don't know what Stephen King was talking about when he was talking about Alien, but you know yeah. you're trapped in a small space with this unknown yeah. entity, and there's no way out. Right. Right. There. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember if we mentioned that, but they they can't get any of the exits to work for various reasons, so they're essentially trapped in there with Jane. Yeah. Right. And, and and I liked uh, that like I think one one like thing to set over Alien is like they're also trying to like uh, get it's there's like a mysterious aspect to us where they're they're trying to like solve this puzzle on like who this woman is and trying to like dig deeper into her and like they're getting like a little bit a little bit of hints along the way too right that, right that, true that yeah in Alien they're kind of trying to understand how the creature works oh yeah 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 exactly uh well cool yeah no I, I completely agree the great setting great great acting um. The uh, cinematography and everything was pretty well, and you, you liked the gore and the effects. Yeah, I did. I thought the effects were really good on the gore. Yeah, cool. And it was good that even when there was gory stuff, it still looked like they found some way to mix in uh, Olwyn's actual person with the pr- like prosthetics. So it wasn't. Oh yeah. If there was ever a dummy like entirely on the table, I couldn't really tell. Yeah, I couldn't tell either. I so I think maybe just effect. certain sections of her were fake while they still sure. had her real face in there somehow yeah right um one critique i've read and i, I kind of felt like this watching a little bit of it but the third act uh where you know they the, a lot of the big scares have happened um and now like they're just trying to like you know figure out how to get out of there and going back in and, and like uh you know connecting the bible and the witch and all that stuff um, did you feel that the, the uh, third act might have been a little bit a, a little bit weaker than the rest of the buildup that was going on in the film um, a little bit, but just for the exposition, I, the events themselves, I, I was on board with and I really yeah. liked how the ending played out. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of felt like it could have been a little more climatic, but then it's also maybe not that kind of film. Yeah. Like you have this big, uh, payoff at the end or something. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's probably accurate. Yeah. And then and the last thing, uh, and I think we talked about this a bit on the watch party, but, um, you know, the whole backstory about the mother being dead and, uh, you know, they, the dad and son kind of talk about in the elevator how he couldn't save her. And then uh, how Jane Doe is kind of like uh, in, in a lot of pain, apparently. But, um, you know, she's been tortured and stuff. And they're just kind of discovering that. Did you see parallels there? Do you think that was purposeful? Maybe, but I couldn't quite trace that thought process or trace the line between Jane Doe's torturing and the mom's suffering. Could you? Um, I, I think that's just about it. Like you had these two uh, figures that were in a lot of pain that the the uh, you know the father kind of had uh, some regret that he never like kind of caught on to his wife's struggle. 
And um, I kind of thought like that that was the parallels there, trying to get into Jane Doe, and they're just kind of like realizing as the movie goes how much pain and like suffering she's been through. So I, I thought that's where they're going with it, but I, I don't know, because other people kind of felt that they dropped the ball on that whole story and like trying to introduce this whole backstory, but not really tying it out. It sounds like maybe, is that, is that kind of your feel too? Um, yes and no. I don't think it weakened the backstory because they didn't tie it to Jane Doe's suffering, but um, hmm. I think I think the backstory itself there was fine. Would it have added to the movie if they could have done a better job tying it to Jane's suffering and like Brian Cox empathizing with what she had gone through more because of what his wife went through? Yeah, that probably could have enhanced the movie. Um, I could also see it being hard to do without being on the nose. I know. It's like a fine balance. Like, how far do you go? Like, what would he do? Break down in tears while cutting open her stomach and being like, yeah. you know. <laughs> this is just like your mother. <laughs> your mom's lungs weren't burned per se, but her mind yeah. lungs were. Like, yeah, yeah. That's true. But, you know, at the end, I, I almost I would characterize uh, their approach. Like, I couldn't tell if at the end they were scared of her or if they were more sympathizing with her, uh, with, with Jane Doe. Could, did, did you get a sense of one way or the other? Yeah, I think it was a nice mix of both throughout the movie. Because yeah. I heard Emil Hirsch talking about how he went and saw, over, not oversaw, but watched a few autopsies and said that the whole dourness of the entire affair was something he wouldn't have probably put into his character had he not seen them. So oh. I think there definitely was a, like, what has this woman been through? And Yeah. Um, but also of what the hell is actually happening here and <laughs> we should be terrified. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, right. There's there's a balance of that, which I I thought that was really cool. That's like a unique. Uh, um, I mean, usually people are just like scared, and so to have that like actual level of emotion, I thought it really added to this. Right. Yeah, and it's more like it, it, you know it pivots too. It's a it uh, swings from one way to the other. At first, it's very <laughs> much what happened to this poor woman, and then it's like we need to burn her and get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, kind of ping pongs back and forth. <laughs> Uh, well, great. Uh, how many uh, cracking bones would you give this one? Boy, man, I had a 4.5 written down. Wow. Um, I really love this movie. I think it is like a resounding success as a horror movie in terms yeah. of its scariness and eeriness and atmosphere. As a movie as a whole, I still think it's really good, um, but that maybe like a four, so I'm tempted to do the four and a half in between those two. Um, so like a 4.25? I feel like it's kind of like a 4.25, but I'm going to give it a 4.5. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's awesome. That's yeah, great. Yeah. I really love that. I mean, both times it, and I'm kind of rating it for what it is too. It's not like this epic grand, big budget, like large scope movie, but as a tight little horror movie that all takes place in one setting. Yeah. You know, I don't know that there's that much they could have done better, aside from, as we've talked about, the uh, the explanation at the end kind of taking the wind out of the sails there. But that's my only knock against it, really. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I had a three and a half, but, you know, in talking with you, like, yeah, my biggest complaint is that, uh, like, over, over trying to explain it. Uh, but, I mean, is that worth that much? Because uh, you're right, the rest of the movie is just, like, sound, great acting. Uh, such great gore and like a great like kind of original story too and like done on such a small scale which is impressive so I, I think I would give it a four uh, cracking bones probably alright uh, I think a lot of times there are certain types of movies where the ending can retroactively hurt the 
prior parts of the movie, but in this one it was like, no, it was still a fun ride. Like, I don't yeah. really get that explanation, but it doesn't change that I had fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the journey there was, was fun and the minor detraction, but, and, and you liked like the ending, like the openness of it? Yeah, of course. Cool. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there's some weird, uh, there's also some weird thing going on where you're kind of rooting for Jane. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I mean, you're sympathizing with her because, like, she was tortured as a in like the 1600s, right? So she was kind of like a victim, right? Uh, in, in all of this too. Yeah, it's, it is very interesting. And witches are cool. Yeah, yeah, witches are pretty cool. And uh, if Jason, Catherine, and Amy don't mind, I'll say what they think. We kind of did some ratings too uh, in the watch party. So Jason gave it three and a half out of five. Catherine gave four and a half out of five. And Amy, I don't think ever gave a number rating, but she said it was very good. So maybe that's oh, a cool. four. That sounds like a four. Yeah, <laughs> <sounds good. laughs> We're putting words in your mouth, Amy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Pretty pretty enjoyable by by everyone. Then. Yeah. It, it was like so it was a great atmosphere there. Thanks everybody for joining. I, I had a lot of fun. It was a nice little group. I think it was best that it was a small group for this movie. Yeah, I know. I feel like we've seen other films which are like fun to like talk the whole time through. And this is one where I think everyone was just kind of like like the plot I think just engrosses you so much and the the mystery and the creepiness of it that um yeah, it's it's like it's it's a different kind of watch, I guess. Yeah, it's, it was not like our Green Inferno watch party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where diarrhea yeah. jokes abounded. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not a lot of jokes in this one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, thanks guys for joining. That was it was fun. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Hopefully we can do some more of this. Yeah. Um, great. Well, yeah. You got anything else, Brian, on this one? That's it. All right. Cool. Well, uh, that's going to wrap up our discussion on the autopsy of Jane Doe. If you like this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find our show. And we always appreciate the feedback. If you want to join our discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com. Or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We'll be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We also have a Discord server where we're having, uh, where we're chatting with a few other listeners and horror fans, so you can find that link on our website. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, we've got this Patreon page where we have some uh, special content up there, uh, so you can find that at patreon.com slash horrormovieclub. Our logo is by Amy Mae Popart, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you hear a bell ringing outside of your door, uh, check up to make sure you know where you're the, the bodies of your loved ones are before you open that door. Or swing an axe and ask questions later. <laughs> yeah, that's always a great policy. <laughs> swing first, that's later.